Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. Before we get going, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to today's interview. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, other tools. Simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Now write this down unless you're driving. Referralcoach.com forward slash resources. It's also in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips. We're always sharing best practices and we'll notify you our newest podcast when it goes live. And while these are free to you, I also think you'll find them quite valuable. Now on with today's show, since you're listening to this podcast, and since you probably listen to other podcasts, I have to think you've at least wondered if you should have your own podcast. And if you'd wondered about that, you've probably thought of all the reasons why you shouldn't. And you've probably wondered how advisors who do have podcasts create an actual clear ROI from that activity. Well, you've come to the right place today because my featured guest has found a way to use her podcast to attract a regular flow of ideal financial advisory clients directly and somewhat indirectly as well. Let me brag on her first uh, a little bit and then we'll tap into her experience and wisdom. Misty Lynch has been a certified financial planner since 2011 and a certified life coach which is, I think, a unique combination that she uses to her clients' advantage. On her website, I like this, it reads, I offer financial planning, investment management, and coaching services for women business owners and families looking to improve their finances without sacrificing their lifestyle. I think that's very well put. It defines her market a little bit, defines her perspective. She's going to attract the people that, that resonates with and not worry about the rest, which is what we want. Misty hosts the reality TV series, Heartbroke, and we'll have to ask her about that, and the weekly podcast, Demystifying Money. She is also the author of the book, Demystifying Money, that if you're watching the video, I'm holding it up to the camera. I actually started reading this two days ago, and she wrote the book that I wanted to write, uh, so I'll have to find another angle, <laughs> but it's doggy-eared and underlined, and it's, it's, it's a good book. I'm actually going to get a copy for my daughter and for her boyfriend. Um, so it's a good book, something that you might consider uh, giving to some of your clients. Uh, Demystifying Money. Uh, in Investopedia named Misty as one of the top 100 financial advisors in 2021. And her news, and sorry, US News and World Report named her one of the nine women in finance to follow. So Misty Lynch, hailing from the greater Boston area. Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast. Thank you so much, Bill, for that introduction and for having <laughs> me on the show today. Well, it's great. And it's nice to have someone who's uh, versed in doing podcasts, as you are, since you do your own. Makes everything easy on my side. So I want to talk about your podcast. I want to talk about your reality TV series and your book and, and your decision to add life coaching into your mix of how you serve your clients. Uh, you're into some pretty neat things. But first, you have an interesting story about how you got started in this business. And I, I think you said that your interest in things financial started actually in grade school. And, and then your parents went through some tough times and 
that cemented your lifelong desire to become a financial advisor. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah. So actually the tough times came first and then I thought I found the solution in grade school. Now, mm. not exactly. Okay. I'm sure not everyone's looking for their, their sixth grader to tell them exactly how to re figure out the business. But yeah, my father's self-employed. My mother didn't work really for most of my early childhood. And um, during the 90s, late 90s, uh, there was a recession and his business suffered severely. So he had um, didn't have the clients that he had before. Um, he We ended up moving, selling pretty much everything that wasn't nailed to the ground. And we moved to a smaller town in Connecticut that had a very good school district. It was a good town. Like it was a smart move, but, um, our chain, our, our whole world changed everything. I never thought about money. And then after that, it seemed like it was all that was talked about. It was all that ever came up in conversations. And so, um, so yeah, money was, was tight. It was really, really, um, challenging. My mom went to work. Um, she had a high school diploma, didn't really plan to work. Um, and, we did a stock market contest in my new sixth grade class. I was the new kid. And um, <laughs> it was just, they were talking about how people invest money in stocks and they give money to these big businesses that then make money and then money comes back to them. So I basically was like, hey guys, I figured it out today. We just need to invest money in the stock market and then we're going to be fine. Now, granted, my parents were like, what money? <laughs> what but I found it so interesting. Interesting. I okay. just thought it was so interesting to see. There's an, I knew from my previous nine years of life that there was, um, there was another way. There was a comfort level with money that some people had. I saw some of my friends, even in the town I lived in were very wealthy. And I was like, okay, like, Sure, a lot of them have a nine to five job or something different about their family than mine, but there's got to be something else that's missing. There's got to be a way to figure out how to hold on to money and make it grow. And that kind of just got me very interested. I think I read every book that had the word rich in the title when I was hanging out at the library for the free air conditioning. And, um, you know, when you were like in sixth grade from like middle school, high school, then I got really interested in working and saving my own money. So, so middle really school, just the thought of it. Middle school, high school, you were reading these books with everything rich in it? Yes. You were focused. Wow. I was very, it was hard. I saw how much pain, how many fights we were having, how mm. every, it just, you know, every single, you know, things that you would use an emergency from now uh, would become a crisis, would get worse. Dental work house repair, the apartments we lived in, all of those things that could be solved with money. If you don't have the money, they just become bigger and bigger problems. It wasn't because I was looking to just, I just wanted a way. I just wanted to fix this and figure it out because it was pretty hard. And what did you major in in college? Political science. I wanted to be a lawyer <laughs> at first Okay. because I said right. like, okay, Lawyers, I watch Law and Order. They are smart. They make good money. And that's the job for me. And so I studied political science, and I loved my, I loved um, my courses at UConn. I was, you know, it, it was fascinating. I found politics and all that interesting. I wanted to 
I had to maintain a certain GPA for some of the scholarships that I was on and some of the business courses didn't appeal to me quite as much or that school. So I decided to study something that I really loved so I could get a degree because I figured that was more important than what I majored in. I think I was right though, because not a lot of the financial planners I know actually studied business. I've talked to people with music theory degrees, all sorts of degrees that found their way to this career. Um, but yeah, initially I was thinking law and then I shifted later on. I've even, I've even met truck drivers and oh, yeah. firemen, fire people, first responders, mm-hmm. you, you name it, uh, uh, pastors, yeah. former priests, uh, a lot of people find their way into this world. So um, now you've made a decision to not just be a certified financial planner, but you're also a certified life coach. Most advisors probably coach in some form or another, or at least a lot do, but this is a more of a specific curriculum and, and, and a way to coach. What made you decide to do that and how do you bring the two together? So I really... I used it myself. So I needed, I recognized that I had a good corporate job for a while and I was doing well, but I wasn't completely happy. I wanted to be working with clients. I wanted to be a planner and I wasn't leaving. And I knew that it was me that was keeping me where I was in my own brain. And so I started to listen to podcasts on coaching, coaches that I liked. And then I started to really dig into the the methods behind it and the practice and doing it myself over and over again. And then I realized, you know, once I started to set goals, like leaving corporate, like, um, you know, even in my relationships, my own wealth, like once I started setting those goals and achieving them, I realized that this, um, this could help a lot more people. If I learned how to not only use these techniques myself, but then also talk to people about, the root of some of the reasons why they keep making the same financial decisions or why they feel stuck or why they have, you know, they're so smart with everything, but feel so dumb when it comes to money. Usually there's some sort of block there or some sort of, you know, maybe limiting belief that they have not even, we don't recognize our blind spots because they're blind. But once you start to, um, you can start to make some progress. And most of the people I talk with about money they're less interested in the dollars. They want to feel different, whether it's feeling better, feeling more comfortable, feeling safe, feeling like they can take a risk, retire, all of those things. It's how they want to feel once they do it. Not always just the dollars needing to have enough money there. I think even if someone says, I want to make sure I have enough money to retire, how much is that going to be? Yada, yada. It's about the dollars, but ultimately it's about the feeling, right? How do you want to feel? What do you want to do? How does that make you feel? And I know you agree with this, that money intersects every aspect of one's life, right? There isn't an aspect of, of our life where it doesn't touch in some form or another. So I guess that allows you to connect the two pretty easily. Yes. Yeah. Every goal that they have, whether it's, they want to change their career, if they want to expand their family, if they want to move, all of those things require some money somewhere along, even falling in love. I talk to people about dating and how they talk about money when they bring it up, if they should ask. So it's really, um, it's kind of just what keeps our whole, you know, <laughs> economy going people. You, you can't, it's not like alcohol or something else where if you're not good with it, you can just give it up and not touch it again. Like you usually have to use money and figure it out. You can't just avoid it. So that's why I think it's one of those, one of those areas that 
I've connected with so many different people, even on my podcast or in other situations where um, somebody has some sort of money story. <laughs> and we well, I know that in, in your book, you, you mentioned something like most people's um, attitudes, if you will, beliefs around money are are cemented by the time they're right age seven or something it can happen earlier but you know in that in that range yeah and then they bring that to their adulthood yeah. without realizing probably that that's informing them do you do you, do you get into that yeah, type of coaching and conversation? and i can tell especially when i work with families you know nobody has the same upbringing even my sister and i who are a year apart have different thoughts and feelings about money based on what happened at what time in our lives and so we were lucky. We had money the first seven years. So we knew what comfort felt like. It wasn't like we'd always struggled where that just felt normal. My new life felt abnormal. And that's why I was on this path to try to figure it out and fix it. And so, yeah, that's what we're aim we're armed with, what we've kind of absorbed in like the first decade of our lives and then whatever financial literacy we get our hands on. So that's why some people are out there super successful in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they still feel like, completely unprepared to handle money <laughs> because well, that, that, they haven't gone much further. Yeah. I, your book made me realize um, that. So I, I, I have enough money. I, I, I started a little late cause I didn't get good messages from my family. My family grew up in the depression. You know, my father didn't really know much about the power of compounding interest and he had CDs and T bills and didn't really invest it much. Uh, my mother had a, scarcity mentality. And yet I broke that mold in the sense of being an entrepreneur and then doing pretty well. And I've got a good amount of money, but I still feel anxious about it. Yeah. And I think that anxiety just comes from old stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't need to be anxious about it. But I think for advisors listening to this, when you know your client's relationship to money, whatever that may be is healthy or unhealthy or the little tapes and messages that play in the back of the brain. I think that's pretty good to know and helps you become a better advisor. Does it not? Oh yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening to your clients and I spend a lot of time listening, <laughs> I, sure. I do a lot of talking on the podcast, but when I'm in a client meeting, I, I try to listen as much as I can, not for what they're saying implicitly, but like the way they say things. Some people will tell mm. me stuff like, well, it's all going to go away or well, I'm just, you know, once you stop working, you die. Or once this happens, or I'm always going to be in debt. Like they're telling me the weather, like it is a fact. And they're saying it was so much conviction that they've never questioned that maybe they won't be in debt someday, or maybe they could find some hobbies where maybe retirement would be worth saving for, because it doesn't mean you just are now put out to pasture and have nothing to do. But I've heard these things and then when I when I catch it and I'm taking notes, I can know to kind of go back and kind of ask about that thought and why they think that. And then they'll be like, well, because that's what my mom always said, or that's what we always did. And so once you start to think about your own thoughts a little bit differently, sometimes they'll catch themselves and be like, oh, this isn't me. This is mom. This is dad. Or this is something that I'm remembering or that I'm always feeling but it doesn't have to be true. And then it might be kind of finding some examples of ways that, you know, people have gotten out of a lot of debt and then gone on to build wealth or be able to do things or started a successful business, even if one failed in the past. And we can find those examples if our brain's looking for them. It's just, we're not looking. So that's where it helps. Yeah. So I can, I can immediately see how that's going to impact 
your client relationships, how you bring value to them. And I'm guessing that those who like that, those are the types of people you attract and how you describe your business and the, the people that they refer to you will probably know that a little bit about you by how you've been referred or recommended. So you just begin to attract more and more people who uh, appreciate your perspective and the way you go about financial planning. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. I think a lot of times my clients, they might not say like, oh, she coached me, but they might feel that I care about them because mm -hmm. we've talked mm -hmm. about certain things that no financial advisor maybe asked them. And I mm -hmm. was trained, you know, when I went through all like the series, all of the classes, all of the courses I've taken, all the sales training I've taken in the traditional insurance financial services industries has focused on finding their pain point and then just telling them how you can solve that problem. Not spending any time in the uncomfortable conversations, just basically figuring out what they're most afraid of. And but I also what, what's driving their, what's driving their desire to go in a certain direction that may yeah. not be in, in this, in service to them and helping them see why. And yeah, going a little deeper. I, you know, I, I think yeah, this is they important. They don't feel helpless. And they are certainly like, since I've shared a lot publicly, either in the book or podcasts and stuff, they don't necessarily feel judged because for a long time as an advisor, I was embarrassed. Like when I first started as an advisor after college, um, I didn't want anyone to know that I grew up poor for a number of years or that I didn't have like the greatest financial examples in my life with my, with, you know, the people around me, I tried to hide that. Once I stopped trying to hide that people were like, Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, that's a very important message. And I hope advisors take that to heart is being genuine. Yeah. Uh, and you've learned from that and it's what drives you now and allows you to be a better advisor and a more complete advisor because of that, of what you went through. Right. Yeah, I think so. And I think that we're afraid to be vulnerable because we want to look like the problem solver. And it's like, we're kind of coming to these solutions together. That person has to be on board. They have to execute everything that we say. So the more we know about them, the more they think like, yeah, no, I understand why I should do this. I understand why I don't want to do this. And I'm still going to do it anyway, because we're, you know, we've, we've talked through all these things that's kind of helped make people maybe feel even like they owe it to us to get this done when they might not, you know, do things for themselves that might be in their best interest for one reason or another. So I think it is, it's super helpful to kind of take the armor off maybe and just, you know, oh, yeah. tell them that you're a person, even if you had a great financial situation, like what everybody's got a money story. Everybody's got something that, you know, they can, you know, they could think about and be like, Oh yeah, you know, that was interesting. The whole life our, our most of our moms and grandmothers didn't even have access to money so like how could they have been great <laughs> examples right. if they couldn't have even had a bank account so less blaming but also thinking about how we can make things better for ourselves now good, good. so let's shift a little let's talk about your podcast sure. uh what made you decide to start it uh, how are you using it uh particularly to bring new right fit clients into your practice yeah. So my podcast, I started it in 2020 as most people who maybe were stuck home, not mm -hmm. meeting new people. And mm -hmm. I, um, I left corporate in 2020. And so 
I was out ready to get out there, network, meet people, get clients, and then the whole world shuts down three months later. So I was thinking, like, how are some ways that I could start talking to these, these like, because I love working with business owners. I we had self employment income in my family. That's what made the, there was no unemployment. There was no HR department to ask questions to. Like, there just there really wasn't um, the pandemic. There was some self employment unemployment, but. Before that, you're really on your own. And so I wanted to work with those people. And so I was thinking I could have these virtual coffee dates with people. Can I pick your brain for a half hour? Which no one wants to do, let's be honest. Um, or I could invite them. Um, and I started um, a radio show. And that became the podcast. So I invited people on something that had value. You know, like, hey, come on the show. I will talk to you about your business, entrepreneurship, your career, your path, and you can tell the audience how, how you help people. And, um, the first guest I had on, you know, had helped me design my website, all these things. And, uh, I got to talking with her about her business and how it was growing and asked if she had, you know, set up anything for herself or her, for employees. And she hadn't, and she immediately was like, can you help me with it? So I knew that I was onto something talking to these people who, they love, you know, being able to promote being on a podcast or being able to share, you know, content. We all love content when we're in a business and trying to share things on social media or websites. And um, so I was giving them something that they really appreciated. And then I was able to get to know them really well in that time. So, so this is kind of what the podcast was kind of a marriage of, uh, allowing people to talk about their business and give business ideas to other business people listening. But then you would ask questions them about how they're handling certain aspects or comments about the financial part of their business that kind of got your expertise in. And uh, some of those people ended up becoming clients of yours through that process. Am I following that right? Yes. A lot of them, I think about 40% of my guests have worked with me in some capacity or another. But when I was doing some research for a conference that I was just speaking at, over 75% had sent me a very qualified lead. So not just, uh, you know, these are a few, like they came, they'd listened to the podcast episode that that guest had been on with me. They heard my voice. They they felt like they knew me better than just hear someone's business card, go call her. And they um, either became clients or became, you know, podcast guests or things like that. So that's been fantastic. But it is a really unique way to get to know somebody in a really short period of time. And then, you know, with we all want to give back. If somebody's nice to us, we want to do something, the whole theory of reciprocity. And so they'd come on my show and then they'd be like, how can I help you? Or do you do this? Or I need to talk to somebody like you. How can I help and it just kind of made it really easy to start to build my network while I was stuck in my attic at the time. So what what I'm hearing, and I just want you to comment on this, there's there's kind of two ways that people create uh, an ROI or we'd say monetize their podcast. There's the uh, ones called often called the Trojan horse where where you and, and I've done this, where you interview people uh with whom you'd like to work down the road or think you might be a good match but that's not the you know come on with that you come on with getting to know them in the podcast you help them shine a little right so their their ego gets uh stroked in that and they get to talk about their business uh and some of those people become clients so that's kind of one side and the other is now you've got listeners to the podcast 
And they're, they're also either becoming clients and or introducing you to people who might be interested. So you're kind of working both ends, the Trojan horse, uh, interviewing guests who become clients, as well as just creating listeners who also uh, some of them become clients. So I, am, am I explaining that yeah. properly? Yep. And also, you know, I think that the people I interview, I'm genuinely curious about how they're doing business because they've gotten my attention and I'm in the Boston area, like you said, and you know, there's a lot of amazing small businesses in this area, creative people doing all sorts of things. I've had people from tarot card readers to estate planning attorneys on my show, and I'm just super curious about how people make money. And so the, the show is still entertaining for the people who become clients because they're still consumers. They're still out there looking for other services besides financial planning. So kind of being able to introduce all sorts of people who have really interesting jobs or useful information, or maybe could be somebody that they'd want to talk to or their friends because the network isn't, it's big, but you know, there's a lot of kind of cross promotion and sharing. And some people say, oh my God, you had her on the show. I love her. And so that's been really kind of, kind of cool to kind of work my way into a network because, you know, five years ago I was a compliance officer. So it sounds like, uh, well, number one, a community has kind of risen up a little bit here, right? Where it's a lot of these people know each other. Um, and how, how was the listenership growing? Is it just through word of mouth and people telling other people? Yeah. I guess if you get someone as a guest, and they're featured their business, they may very well tell all their friends, colleagues, hey, I was on the show, we listened to my episode, and then people get interested in your podcast. Is that how it, how the listenership yeah. is growing? Yeah, it started out, you know, where I had people on the show who had bigger networks than me. <laughs> um, and that was somewhat intentional because then I'd ask them to share and then it helped to kind of grow, you know, the viewership. And, you know, it started out pretty, pretty slow, but I've never been, you know, after getting the most downloads or ad money, because that's not how my podcast, you know, really, if I get one client from the podcast, then that covers about 10 months of running the show. So it's fantastic. So um, what I've done, though, and I've noticed lately is that the numbers have started to now get to a tipping point after having about 100 episodes where I'm really starting to see, you know, a few hundred downloads a week, which for me was pretty impressive. You know, I was pretty excited to see that kind of grow and people will send me messages about, oh, I listened to that episode and I liked that piece of advice. So it's it's really starting to get a little bit more um, more feedback from people, which is really kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had I've interviewed other folks on the podcast and I'm going to actually rattle off some episode numbers for the folks listening. Uh, and one of the, one of the common denominators of the folks who run podcasts for their practice is that prospects will contact them and feel like they already know them. Right. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that because they've heard the voice. They've heard the one guy told me that some of my prospects can complete my sentences because he or she's listened to my podcast and they know my perspective on on certain aspects of financial planning. So for those listening, uh, podcast number two with Adam Schmela, number nine, number 23 and number 27, two, nine, 23 and 27 are all financial advisors doing very, very well, have their podcasts. And if you're into learning more about this 
And which is a perfect segue to my to the next thing I want to talk about, because in about 75 seconds, give or take a second, I want to cover two more topics with you. First, I want to learn a little bit about this reality TV show that you're on, which sounds pretty interesting, uh, especially for a financial advisor to be doing that. And also how you use your book to build credibility and win more clients, because uh, we've had Paul McManus. Uh, who helps advisors get a book uh, written. A lot of advisors are doing books. We'd love to hear how you're doing. But first, let's take a very brief pause to listen to a word from our sponsor, Pod Rocket Influence Academy, brought to you by Proudmouth. First, they make this podcast possible. They produce this for me and do a lot of work behind the scenes. And their core business is helping financial advisors like you accelerate their influence through marketing activities like podcasting so it's the perfect sponsor for this uh, this commercial so we'll be back in just about 75 seconds this podcast is sponsored by proudmouth the influence accelerators it's tough to be seen as an expert if you're spending most of your time as a salesperson that's why we help industry experts like you spend less time selling and more time advising by turning you into a trusted subject matter authority we help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. Be your own loud. I need to take just a few more seconds to let you know about our newest and even better than before Academy for Relationship Marketing. It's now online and waiting to help you move from incremental growth to exponential growth by multiplying your best ideal clients. When you go to the Academy, uh, it's thekatesacademy.com. You'll see four state-of-the-art leading-edge courses. Course one is how you communicate your value, communicating it more effectively to win more clients. Course two is about becoming more referable so that you get more unsolicited referrals and just warm up the whole process. Course three shows you how you can actually be appropriately proactive for referrals, introductions, without looking like that cheesy referral guy. When people uh, contacted me uh, for coaching, they always say, Bill, I don't want to look like the cheesy referral guy, or sometimes I hear the, the uh, creepy referral guy. And then course four is all about turning that willingness to refer into an actual introduction, a connection, which we know is, is uh, so important. And there's so much more I could tell you about the Academy, a lot of bonuses and other courses, but I want to get back to our interview here with Misty. So head over to the katesacademy.com. That's the katesacademy.com. Uh, make sure that you write this down, use the coupon code TCA200, TCA, the Kate's Academy, TCA200. And you'll save $200 off the already very reasonable investment. So uh, back to our conversation, Misty Lynch, certified financial planner, certified life coach. All right, Misty, uh, reality television. Uh, is this the financial advisors of Boston, you know, like the housewives of LA or <laughs> yeah, what is this? How did it come about? And, and, probably for our listeners, how does this impact your business? Yeah. So it's not the real housewives of, of Boston. Not yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, 
this was a very interesting, another, you know, strange occurrence that happened during COVID, but I'd, I'd left my, my corporate job and one of my former colleagues had sent me a direct message on Instagram and it was a, some casting call saying they're looking for a financial advisor. Who's not afraid to talk about feelings for an upcoming project. And they might also be looking for a therapist as well. And she said, they're looking for you. So I sent an email (laughs) to the producer on this random Instagram post and said, introduced myself and um, really thought nothing was going to come of it. (laughs) It was just too, too strange or random. And I ended up having a Zoom call with this producer um, and a few subsequent calls after that where they realized since I was a life coach and a, a certified financial planner, they might be able to just use one host instead of having to find two people, one to talk about the finances and then one to talk about the actual issues with these couples. So the show Heartbroke took 10 different couples who had raised their hands saying they needed some sort of help because they were fighting about money and there was money stress all the time. And um, I went and worked with them and then came back six weeks later, kind of like a super nanny to see how (laughs) things had changed since I left. And um, it was probably one of the most like difficult work projects that I've ever done. Um, But one of probably like one of the most interesting and fun. And I really just was able to work kind of quickly with, you know, 10 different couples and kind of try to get to the root of some of their money uh, mindset issues and also look at the money and say, okay, this is what we're spending. This is what we're making. This is a budget. This is, um, you know, investing. This is what it could look like in the future and kind of use those tools as well, just to show kind of a, a combination of how, you know, as a couple, you can, you can reach your goals faster or, you could fight about it all the time, you know, just kind of coming to the same page, even if you have very different thoughts and feelings about what's right and wrong. And so that was the show. Um, it was a really exciting, you know, project, but it does give my clients now, like if they want to see how I work, I can just direct them to the show and say, here's a 12 minute oh. episode. Feel free to take a look at it. This couple kind of reminded me of what you said about, you know, having, you know, really, you know, a tough financial situation growing up or being an overachiever and not having any time at home. Like, and I could, between the 10 episodes, I could kind of relate to a lot of different people and say, just watch this and let me know what you think. Um, It also shows that I'm, I'm an expert in this area, which doesn't hurt either when you're talking to new clients or talking to people that might want to refer business to you. So it's a credibility builder. It's, it's this little library inventory of of uh shows that kind of case studies yeah little shows yeah, yeah. case studies can help do you ever send these to prospects or do you wait uh for them to become a client before they get privy to these oh yeah no they're available um i've shared them on social media where some people out of the blue will respond like mm. that's me i grew up mm. just like that or what mm-hmm. that person said was just i mm. fight about the same things at home so they'll then <laughs> write to me like i sent it to him personally which is kind of the cool thing about video and audio. Like people do really feel like they connect to you faster than print. You know, it's just very yeah. different. So yeah, yeah. um, yeah. so that piece has kind of been cool. Um, and yeah, no, loved working with the Singleton Foundation for financial literacy, who was trying to really bring financial topics to more people in a more interesting and digestible way. So doing a show like this was really um 
it it was really you know successful and a lot of the couples have gone on to do some pretty cool things with their business and um changing you know some marriages some children some new business babies all these things that i love to see oh, good Last thing I want to talk about is your book. I'm holding it up to the camera again for those watching the video. I want to, uh, so the, the title is Demystifying Money. And then the subtitle is Permanently Reprogram Your Money Mindset to Achieve the Wealth and Success You Deserve. So it's about the, the beliefs, the mindset, the thinking, all of that. Uh, I think I mentioned this already. I Misty didn't know I was going to do this, but uh, for your clients, give to your clients, maybe for your clients, the older parents to give to their children, all kinds of ways I can see using this book. So tell me about the book. Uh, you know, why did you write it? Uh, what prompted you to do this? Um, credibility, lead magnet, uh, a referral tool, uh, all of the above. Yeah. So I, um, the firm that I worked with right after I left corporate was giving out actual books um, from one of their mentors as a lead magnet. And it was pretty successful. If somebody got the book and actually read it, they were pretty much interested in the way that we manage money, which was based on this person's principles. Um, I'd always loved books. Like I said, I started reading, I started devouring books when I was young. Like that was just my, my escape. And so writing a book was kind of something that I'd always wanted to do. And I recognized that I was saying some of the same things over and over again with the people I was talking to and some of the money mindset work that I did on myself, because I started to kind of resent rich people when I wasn't one anymore. And trying to become something that you don't like is very challenging for your brain. <laughs> so kind of writing about some of those things that I'd worked through um, and some tips for people who, and I've had people who've read the book and been like, I raised my fees for the first time. And everybody stayed with me, but I was so afraid they were all going to say no and reject me. So kind of a, a way to not, you know, to let people get at their own pace. So it was a very, you know, it's, it's not an expensive book. Somebody can read it if they're deciding if they want to work with me or anyone, or if I have somebody who maybe can't afford to work with the, you know, an advisor, they're just not interested in like full planning. Um, I wanted to have something that I can maybe share and to help people kind of get at least their mindset you know, on the right track, if that was something that they'd recognize that they wanted work on. So yeah. it's been good. I think that's great. My featured guest today has been Misty Lynch, advisor, coach, author, podcaster, and reality TV star. <laughs> Misty, thank you so much for being a featured guest on Top Advisor Podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing the show. I'll definitely go check out those other episodes that you mentioned, um, you know, with the people that are you know, doing such good work. And uh, I appreciate your time today. Thank you. But, uh, to you, the listener of this podcast, I have a small favor to ask of you. If you like the episode or like the podcast in general, leave a five-star review where you listen to this. Not all platforms have review uh, capability, but if yours does, I appreciate it. I'll be grateful. If you haven't already, head over to thecatesacademy.com. Check out our newest online resource to help you go from incremental to exponential growth through client multiplication. That's thecatesacademy.com. And don't forget to use the coupon TCA200. TCA200, save $200. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas like the ones on this today's show do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast. 
brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy. <laughs>